Welcome back to Dateline New Haven on WNHHFM, New Haven's home for community radio. I'm Paul Bass, inviting you to look behind the headlines on the stories that make our community tick. Well, we have the pleasure of meeting three folks who make our community tick and keep us safe and alive every day in New Haven for this segment. They're the heroes who man our public service answering point, PSAP, which is a really confusing title for 911. They, they man the 911 control center at One Union Avenue, take all our emergency calls for police and fire, and make sure that help is on the way. We just finished Keller Communications Week, in which people like they were honored, and now they've come in the uh, WNHH studio. Tell us a little bit about what they do. Joe Vitale is the new-ish coordinator of the whole center, PSAP, which really should be ASAP. Don't you think they should change it to the first word so that it's like is, as soon as possible? That's a good one. That's a good one. I think it should be ASAP, but PSAP is ASAP. And we have Joy Dunstan, who is a pu- police and fire dispatcher, and Justin Augustine, who's a supervisor. Welcome, everyone, and thanks so much for coming in. Thank you. Thank you. So before we go into some of your personal stories, Joe, tell us how things are going. Where, this Telecommunications Week, when did you start in charge? Because I know it's been recent. And w- what's the status of the center? I'm going to ask you to get real close to the mic. Yeah. I'm coming up on my uh, one-year anniversary. In May. But that went fast. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. went real fast. I started in May of last year, coming up to it now. Um, came into a unit. We had did have some staffing issues, you know, due to COVID. What does that mean, staffing issues? Uh, How down we, were you? We were down probably about 12 people, 12 to 14 people. Out of? Out of uh, 55 total. Wow. Yeah. So people were doing these long extra shifts, which yes. are really stressful. Yeah. COVID really had an effect on the unit. So you came in a year ago. That was the situation. The first thing I noticed about you, Joe, was um, people get very upset at 911 because they're really upset about other things and you folks on the front line. And you had this great way of diffusing things. I remember there was a meeting right way in the hill. You just listen to people and you didn't argue with them and you say, we're going to try to do better and, and hear what you're saying. Do I have that right? That there was the pandemic was still in a stage where people just get upset about everything all the time and emergency workers had an extra load to deal with? Yeah, I, I don't think that the pandemic made it any better, it made it worse, but the nature of our business, when you're calling us, you're really not in the best situation that you could possibly be in in your life. You're in the worst situation. So a lot of our job is to de-escalate, to defuse, and uh, give people the best help that we can give them and get good information for good inf- folks that's the most important thing is getting the good information and a lot of times a lot of the complaints that we get are because it's a perception that we're not listening when we are actually listening but we have a set of questions that we have to answer you know because once the call taker gets the call it's going into the computer at the same time and it's being sent over to a dispatcher whether it be police or fire we have to answer these questions and any delay in that will create a delay in the response. So a lot of frustration comes from not understanding what our actual job function is, and that's why we're out here and we're trying to really promote what we do. So in that year, what's happened? So first job, with you know, again, with the support of uh, my boss, the CAO's office, we went right into a uh, hiring and uh, I remember you kept telling me, like, we have another group of five <coughs> here, and they're getting yes. trained. They'll be two months in. Yeah. So I was able to bring 10 people on right away. Mm. It's not as easy as it sounds because it's a pretty difficult training process. And besides training and getting used to performing your job functions, you also have to, you also have to be 
able to operate the equipment that's in there. And the equipment isn't, a, isn't universal from police department to police department to fire department. Mm. The 911 equipment is, but the rest of the systems that run are pretty much unique to area departments. So there, there's a lot of training that goes into it. There's also, just like the PD, a field training period where the call takers are on the floor with more seasoned dispatchers. So it, it takes a little while. So uh, how many vacancies do you have now? Right now, I have five vacancies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have one supervisor's vacancy. Tomorrow, we'll be completing the um, oral board portion of the supervisor's uh, position. So does that five include the supervisor? No. Okay. No. And as we speak, the next five people on the civil service list are being advanced to the next stage, which is the background. So you do have those five. I when have, will they be filled? Um the five, I can't give you an exact answer because there's a background portion to it. But as soon as the background's done, then we'll move into the next steps to get them in. And, um, so you've allocated five people you want to hire. Yeah. What about in terms of community stuff and um, any upgrades in the department or anything you're doing differently? So a, a couple things. Uh, community first. When I got here, we had a team of dispatchers and supervisors that went out to various functions and met with schools and we, we called it to the uh, 911 education team um we resurrected that when i got back you know we started getting the staffing to be able to afford to put people back out to do it every once in a while we uh made some upgrades in the uh the show and tell portion of it for the school children uh, justin enjoy or a couple of the people that go out for that and i think it's a very positive thing pushing forward when to call 911, teaching people, especially kids, because a lot of times if, if a child is calling 911, they're home and there's a problem. They're the ones so when should you call 911? So 911 is for a dire emergency where you, have, you can't think about anything else but those three numbers to get your point across, you know, serious bodily Im- injury, burglars, burglary in progress, some sort of assault, anything that's going that cannot wait for a phone call. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, one thing that I always try to impress upon people also, you know, we're in this state, it, the, day, the age of cell phones. We have a main number. Put the main number. We'll give it out afterwards. We'll put the main number in your cell phone also, you know, for the routine calls. Because what happens is the routine calls clog up the 911, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden we have issues keeping up with the, with the call volume. Now you saw how many are you're retired police uh was it sergeant lieutenant I, I was a captain I retired captain. after 30 years over at 30 Yale. years at Yale yeah. so you're bringing a perspective maybe people don't always have when they run a 911 center which is that you knew what it was like to be getting those calls yes how has that helped you in the job it, it's helped me tremendously I mean I I ran communications at Yale it wasn't as big as over here at New Haven but Yale is a partner police department to the city of New Haven, so 90% of the systems were the same. Um, I also ran the operations of the department. So when I came here, you know, Paul and I, well, we've known each other for a long time. I didn't have to start learning who was who. I didn't have to learn my way around the building. I didn't have to learn my way around the city. I was born and raised here. So I think that... And you knew what happened on a call. I, I knew what happened on the call. You know, so I, I brought a little bit of that to this job and tried to uh, tried to pretty much start start off running. 
So we're talking about 911, the ASAP P- PSAP team who run our 911 emergency center the week after telecommunications week on Dateline New Haven. So Joy Dunstan, you're one of our police and fire dispatchers. How long have you been doing that job? I'm 12 years in. 12 years in? Yes. And did you tell me, did I hear you say you grew up here in New Haven? You live? Yes, I'm born and raised in New Haven as well. So what made you want to become a dispatcher? Well, I'm a community person a people person and most importantly to be able to help the citizens of new haven so 12 years and what's typical work week how many hours i assume there's some extra shifts these days well it's it's gotten a lot better since we've got some new people on board yeah but it could be um it wouldn't be more than 16 hours at a time but it could be two or three days in a row depending on what's going on is that still the case or was that the case before that's before it's lightened up quite a bit now so what's the typical number of hours you work in a week now? Well, right now, I'm just pretty much working my normal forty-hour uh, work week, unless I pick. That up must be nice, and that's still overtime. a long. That's still a long week. It is uh, based on what we do, absolutely. So how do you, how do you stick in there? I mean, twelve years—that's very impressive because I know that a lot of us don't have the temperament for twelve years to be handling emergencies all day, right? So you know, you gotta you gotta have certain kind of personality to do that. What's between your secret to be able to? deal with that for 12 years and still be going strong i don't know if it's a secret i think overall i have a pretty even kill personality and i just try to give my best to do my best and just stay focused and you talked about being a community person so obviously you think caring about people is an important ingredient to yeah, do a job like this absolutely and why is that tell me about that well it might allow you the opportunity to be able to understand feel for them or you know, just to maintain your your um, quality of work, I guess, for lack of better words. Like, how do you not take it personally? Like, if you know someone's in a crisis and you know they're not thinking straight and you're working as fast as you can because there's some, it's important that you get the info you need from them. It's important that you get that information to emergency responders. How do you make sure that you don't get angry at someone for being unfair to you for getting mad at you in that situation well that's a tough question because it's definitely hard and even if it does get to you we still have to maintain while we're on the phone we can get through the call and then hang up and we can go run around the building or whatever it takes to not have that come out i have to admit that's what's most striking to me when i listen to recordings and i want one calls is is when the person the dispatcher is saying Ma'am, I'm trying to help you. I need to get more information to help you. And uh, it, it, can you think of any tricks for that? You talk about psychologically remembering that. But tricks, good tricks. I mean, I don't know if there's any tricks other than just to try to stay in control of the call. Um, it is tough. It is tough. When they're in that situation, um, like Joe said, they're just concerned about what they need. So, I mean, we have trainings and different things, that tactics that, you know, we're taught. But you just try to maintain and stay focused because it's definitely very hard. What do you, you have no tech, right? I mean, you're dealing with computers. You're dealing with people on their cell phones. You're dealing with how to get the message to the right person. What, what have you had to learn that, that was kind of interesting in how to use technology or use instruments to solve problems? Well, I guess just in general to be able to manipulate the um, programs that we have to get the job done we have a program for medicals that walks us through um like the pictures show up on a screen for you does a map show up so you see where they are we we do have maps but depending on 
what type of phone they're calling from, it may not always give the location. Mm -hmm. So if it doesn't, I mean, depending on what's going on, if it's a crisis, we'll work with longitude and lat latitude, put that in the computer to try to figure out where someone is. And um, we, we have a few different tools. So a call comes in, let's say someone, someone's been shot. What do you have to do and think first? Well, the first thing is the address. The first thing is the location and if they need medical. So location, you will first find out whether or not that's available with the technology you have. Will the right address pop up or will you have to look up longitude, latitude or ask them? No, 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 no. They'll call and the first question is what's the address of your emergency? They'll mm -hmm. give it, you put it in the system and then you put the nature in, which is that someone got shot, and then while it's going over to dispatch so that it could be dispatched expediently, then we try to gain further information where the person was shot, as far as the body, and how bad the, the, you know, they're hurt, and anything that will help the officers once they arrive on scene. And I brought up shooting. I'm guessing that is not the most common. You get about 110,000 calls a year? So we get 110,000. 31,911 calls a year. And just to put that into a little bit Didn't of... Didn't it used to be 110 <coughs> when they, three years ago? Probably three years ago, but we go up every year, you, you know, no. up or down, maintain. It's, um, it's out of the 131,000 calls that we get, just to put it in perspective, if you look at the surrounding towns that actually connect to New Haven, they run anywhere between 4,000 calls and 13,000 calls a year. We jump up to 131,000, and that doesn't include the regular phone calls coming through the normal. So what are the most, like, like for instance, Ms. Dunstan, what's the most common call you get? Well, there's a few, actually. I guess um, the most commons are the gunshots, the domestics. And even car accidents, because we get a lot of those. I know. Especially when like it's nonstop. raining. Yeah. Especially. So what do you do when, I, when it's raining? Do you say, oh, my God, okay, today I'm ready for a lot of crashes. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, so what do you do when you get a car crash call? Well, the same. We have to know the address, the location. Mm -hmm. We want to get, uh, we definitely want to make sure if anyone's injured. Mm -hmm. And then we want vehicle information and anything else, again, to help police when they arrive on scene or medical. And, and Justin Augustine, your your supervisor with PSAP, how many years you've been there? Seven. Seven years. Seven years, yeah. And were you a dispatcher at first? Yes, I started off as a call taker, worked my way up to dispatcher, mm -hmm. then worked my way up to supervisor. And uh, you come from, we talked about this before in the year, you come from a family of people who are very connected, involved in New Haven, really care about New Haven. Yes. How did you find your way, and why did you become a 911 call taker? Um, the reason I did it is because um, everyone complains about how bad the city is and how mm. things are so toxic and i love the city no one wants to uh <laughs> no no one wants to take the steps to rebuilding it and the best way to rebuild something is from the inside so instead of just being somebody that complains about all the negatives i wanted to turn myself into a positive and help the community i grew up in awesome if you don't mind getting a little closer to the mic oh, and yeah, you're no looking problem. at me maybe no point a little toward me so is there a day you'll never forget on the job I have a couple of days I'll never forget. Um, some good, some bad, but you know we get we get all types of calls that come in, and as long as we get the the proper information, we can get people out there to help. Can you tell me about one day you'll never forget? Uh, one day that I'll never forget. Um, the clown incident. I got a, It was my <laughs> third day taking calls, and someone called and said, "I'm not crazy. There's a clown outside my window." <laughs> 
and I didn't understand what he was talking about. But that was the whole time where people were putting on clown masks. Oh, and just right. The scary clowns. And he's like, listen, I promise you I'm not crazy. But usually when someone says they're not crazy, they're crazy. But there was actually, you know, people running around with clown. It was a, it was one of those things where when I typed it in, the dispatcher kind of looked at me like, what are you? This is serious. And I'm like, I'm, I can only take the information that's put in. And then it happened. It just sparked that whole. And like what happened? Um, we ended up getting them out there, and the officers handled it and told them they couldn't do that. But then it just started popping up everywhere. It was everywhere. People were driving with clown masks on. And is that one of those situations where you'd rather people call the regular, or um, or they don't feel safe, so they're kind of panicked? Yeah, they don't feel safe. With um, what I would like people to do is, like he said, uh, life or death emergencies are for nine one one. But mm-hmm. anytime for parking complaints or anything like that nature, call uh, the non-emergency number, which is 203-946-6316. That's where we take all of the non-emergency calls like the parking complaints, the noise complaints, and things like that. Just so we don't tie up the 911 line because we want to make sure people that need dire help get that help first. Someone asked Justin, Augustine, Joy, Dunstan, both of you. One thing I've talked to about with 911 operators over the years is that it's kind of it could be kind of a heavy i know i would in your position be concerned did i help the person did how the person make out and one operator once told me after a very harrowing call he he makes a point of not following up did that person's life get saved did that person get killed did that person get help in time what do you to advise how do you practice this job that way do you follow up to find out what happened or is it important not to well, overall, I don't think that we're generally privy to that information once we take the call and the call is dispatched. There have been a couple of calls for me where I've wondered if everything worked out, probably something involving a child. Of course. Um, but I've never investigated. I just prayed and hoped for the best for that and, family. And sometimes, like once, I'm guessing out of 131,000, maybe a hundred of them will end up being reported in the news. Yes. Have you had cases that ended up reported in the news? Yes. So and then the, you find uh, out. We, we, we check in, you know, amongst each other because, you know, every everyone has their own job. You have the fire dispatcher, the police dispatcher, and the call taker. And everyone has that one call that hits them harder than the others. Mm-hmm. So if the fire dispatcher gets an update from the fire department, like, okay, we got the person breathing again, that dispatcher usually goes over to that call taker and gives them some, you know, reassurement like hey good mm-hmm. job they brought him they brought him back and yeah. that helps it out we never go and you know try to reach out to the public but within the department we always uplift each other so i'm hearing supervisor talk here so how to give in the few minutes we have one or two minutes left tell me something that is part of your strategy as a supervisor what you're trying to accomplish and how you carried out to keep your people going strong and as a unit um my strategy is just to try to stay active. Um, I want to be a leader from in front. I don't want to be someone that just sits behind the desk. So I usually walk around and ask people if they need anything or they have any questions. Even if it's just a cup of water, sometimes that cup of water goes a long way for somebody that's having a hard time. And also let people know that um, requesting for a supervisor or wanting to speak to a supervisor or even wanting to, as a call taker, to give the supervisor a call, it's nothing wrong with that. Um, I would love to take a call before a call gets out of hand. So mm-hmm. if if the call taker is, is having a hard time understanding or, you know, just can't get through to that person, not everybody can get through to everybody. So let someone else try and to put that on to the supervisor. I, I don't think that's a, a, a negative. So anytime people would like a supervisor, feel like they're not getting the help, 
instead of escalating it to it just ask for a supervisor and that goes for the people that i work with when they need someone to speak to or need some help i just want them to come to me because every time someone hears a person on the phone say i want to speak to your supervisor they automatically think negative like i'm going to get in trouble no it's it's fine it's what i'm here for let me help the situation well i know that formally telecommunications week is over as far as i'm concerned every week is a week to say we thank you for the work you do i love new haven and you guys help make it a good place to live thank you thank you Thanks thank you for Paul. the work you do any parting comment before we leave that you want people to know you said make sure it's a real emergency and a parking is not an emergency. It might look like emergency. <laughs> and be park. patient and please answer oh. the questions. They're so important for the proper response. Mm. Absolutely. And if um like if you ever have a, an emergency, don't hesitate to call nine one one, but also take down the number two zero three nine four six six three one six and that's for all your non emergency uh, issues. Any questions, comments, concerns, that would be the number you go call. Joe Vitali, coordinator of nine one one at the running the PSAP ASAP division in New Haven. Joy Dunstan, police and fire dispatcher and supervisor Justin Augustine. Thank you for joining us on Dateline Appreciate New Haven. You. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks to Harry Dros behind the controls. We're going to end it with the Afro-Semitic experience. Thank you, Paul. Performing I Wish I Knew How It Feel to Be Free from the group CD, A Plea for Peace. This is Paul Bass inviting you to fly free with us all day and all night at WNHH New Haven's home for community radio. <laughs>